0: Our scripture lesson today comes from James chapter 1 beginning with verse 17. James gives us kind of a blueprint for the Christian life. James gives us very practical teachings on what it means to follow Jesus. And so this will be the first of several weeks of James. And we will look at some of the highlights of his blueprint for Christian living. Every generous act of giving with every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. In fulfillment of his own purpose, he gave us birth by the word of truth, so that we would become a kind of first fruits of his creatures. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. For your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness, and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not merely hearers of the word. Who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves and, on going away, immediately forget what they look like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, They will be blessed in their doing. If any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. To care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, on this day, we ask that your spirit would fall upon us. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit that we may be transformed and that you may renew the face of the earth. O Holy Spirit, who did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that by that same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever enjoy your consolations. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. On this blueprint for Christian living that James sets out for us, one of the first topics that he addresses is this idea of hearing and doing. Now in some sense you can say that hearing and doing are the same thing. If you say to your 14 year old son go and mow the grass for me before 5 o'clock this afternoon and at 6 o'clock the grass is still not mown you can make the argument that you weren't heard because Hearing is more than just listening to something acoustic. Hearing also has this aspect of obedience, this aspect of you haven't really heard unless you have done. In fact, the word, if you know a few Hebrew words, and I bet you do whether you know it or not, the word shema, The great Shema, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Shema means hear. But it also means hear in such a way that you will obey it. Hear in such a way that it transforms your life. Hear in such a way that you don't forget that which has been heard. Every good gift, James says, comes from a good and loving and perfect father the father of lights James says now if you think about um, the the lack of light pollution in Jerusalem in the day that James is writing you, you can think about the stars and how fixed they seem in the sky God is the Father of light, as fixed in his goodness as the stars and the planets are on their courses. Every good and generous gift is from God, every one of them. And so, if you enjoyed an egg this morning before coming to church, one, I'm jealous because I didn't. But two, that was a good and generous gift of a loving God who provides nourishment for his people. If you have a friend that you look forward to speaking to because every time you speak to her, you feel as if a connection has been restored, not only between the two of you, but between you and God, it's a generous gift that comes from the Lord Almighty. There are many gifts that we have and as Americans we have this gift of being able to come on a Sunday morning and worship and sadly, despite having this gift 17% of the population is roughly the average number of people who come to worship on any given Sunday morning. That means 83% of the people in our communities are doing something else. You can drive around Not while I'm preaching, but you can drive around, you can see what they're doing. They're shopping in Walmart, they're jogging, they're walking their dogs. There are any number of things that are going on right now as we are here worshiping, but this is a gift that we are able to sing. And you can sing as loudly as you want. It doesn't matter if the people across the street hear us. We're okay because this gift that we have been given of being able to gather remains ours every good gift your family, your your friends, your children your, your nieces and nephews every good gift comes from the Father every generous act of giving with every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change We'll turn our attention for a moment to what God intends. We who have received God's generosity. Now, the fact that we receive God's generosity, let's, let's not pretend that all is peaches and cream for a Christian anywhere. Let's not pretend that we don't have real challenges. Our, our friends get sick and die. Our loved ones go through pain. We could lose a job or lose a child. This is not to say that God intends for us to have a life that is only good and only perfect. We're not going to have that in a world that has gone mad. But what we do have is God with us and this promise. God intends for us to offer and to be the first fruits. Now, here's just a simple definition of first fruits that occurs in Hebrew and in Greek the first and the best part of the harvest. God doesn't want our leftovers, it is a tradition to bring God the best and the first of the harvest. The best and the first of who we are. The best and the first of what we have to offer. Our first fruits that we offer to God are not what's left over when we've done everything else we intend to do. Our first fruits are when we say, God, you have created me. You have given me life. You have blessed me beyond measure, even though I have known struggles. And I offer to you the best that I have. I offer to you first fruits. And God has given us a new birth, making us an example of what God intends for humanity to become God has given us as an example to the world of what he intends for humanity to become listen in fulfillment of his own purpose he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we would become a kind of first fruits we ourselves become a kind of first fruits of his creatures you must understand this, my beloved, he says. If you want to be the first fruits, if, if you want to be what God intends for humanity to be, let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. We'll have a whole week on what James has to say about words. For your anger does not produce God's righteousness. True story. Happened here in Danville to one of our church members. One of our church members walks into Walmart wearing a mask, and someone comes up behind and says, you liberal, you need to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. At which point our church member said, well, I'm going to church right now. The woman accosting her didn't know what to say to that, so she turned around and left. How does this produce the righteousness of God? Somebody pulls out in front of you and you're so mad. You're so mad because you were cruising at 65 miles an hour and you had to hit the brake for just a moment. So mad. And you follow this guy and you want to just make hand motions. But anyway, he's going way, way too fast. 20 miles later, you catch up with him at a traffic light because no matter how much in hurry he was, we kind of end up together at some point anyway. How does that anger produce the righteousness of God? if we're to be first fruits, if we're to be examples of the best that humanity has to offer, we have to recognize that living lives that are just consumed by anger is a tool of the devil to keep us from knowing that peace that passes all understanding, that joy unspeakable. Anger does not produce God's righteousness so sometimes we just need to hush to take out some duct tape to put it on our mouths to let the moment pass because your anger does not produce God's righteousness now some synonyms for anger I want you to look at this list and think about which of these is going to bring anybody to Jesus I want you to look at which of these is going to make you an attractive Christian that people say, I'd like to be a little more like her or I'd like to be a little more like him. Someone who is bad-tempered or irritable, moody, touchy, short-tempered, overly sensitive, temperamental, fractious, hot-tempered, my favorite, irascible. When you look at what the synonyms are for this kind of anger that we can potentially exhibit, you will see that these are not the kinds of qualities God intends to grow in his people. So what does James have to say? James says, Therefore, rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. I don't have a green thumb. Every plant I buy dies. But God does it right. We, we talk about this word that has been implanted in our souls. Now, some of us have hard hearts and that, that word planted in your soul might bounce right off. Some of us will let it in just a little bit and it might grow a little bit but our hearts are so hardened that whatever is planted there will not rise up into something beautiful James says, Welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. Our kindergartners and second graders this morning, they've got Bibles. I remember getting my first Bible from the church. It was this enormous hardback Bible. You probably remember them, they were purple. They took up half the table. If there were more than about four people sitting at a table, you couldn't all open your Bibles. They were enormous. They were enormous. But I learned to read, and I learned where most of the books were, and I learned that if I read, and if I made that book of holy writings through which God speaks to his people, if I made that a part of my my life, If I made that a part of my experience, there was something that was planted inside that grew. Welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your soul. What does this word have the power to do? Well, Paul says this. If anyone is in Christ, there's a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. And all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. We are those first fruits to show the world what God intends to do with human beings. What is the ministry of reconciliation? That is... In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. It's no small thing to be a person of faith in whom the living Word is implanted. It is no small thing to be a man or a woman who is a new creation in Christ Jesus because God has utterly transformed who you are. It is no small thing to encounter the living and abiding Word of our Father. Then James turns to the power of doing. It's one thing to hear, it's another thing to do. And very clearly, he says, Be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. One of the hardest things to do in the morning or at any time, or any time you want to make a change, one of the hardest things to do is to begin. We have these beginning rituals in the morning. I have four things I do with water. I brush my teeth, I take my medicine, I rehydrate after a night's sleep, take a shower, then I go home and or then I go downstairs and I begin. I go downstairs and and begin this day of trying not just to hear the word of God, but to live the word of God. I love this image because I am so paranoid. Paul says, If any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves, and on going away, they immediately forget what they look like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not just hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. Imagine this. Imagine that I have come out here this morning with a wad of toothpaste on my cheek. Imagine this morning that I looked in the mirror and I saw, oh, there's a wad of toothpaste on my cheek. I better deal with that. And then I get in the car and come... And nobody here wants to embarrass me. So nobody says, excuse me, there's a wad of toothpaste on your cheek. And for the whole service, I preach with a wad of toothpaste on my cheek, even though I should have known better because I've looked in the mirror, I've seen what I look like, but I haven't done anything about it. This is what the Bible does for you and for me as we study it, as we work together through it, as we go through things like emotionally healthy spirituality, as we do our Bible studies one with another, as we talk about spiritual things, as we meet in small groups, we look in that mirror and we see who we really are and we see where our weaknesses lie and we work to strengthen those. We see where our challenges are We work to push forward against those. We see ourselves in the mirror, and we recognize that the Scriptures tell us exactly who we are, sinners in need of grace. The Scriptures tell us exactly who we are, children adopted by God, The Scriptures tell us exactly who we are, men and women who have the Holy Spirit within them and who don't have to go about this business of living alone. The Scriptures tell us who we are and show us. So the starting place. Here's the starting place. Get into the Word of God. Get into the Word of God. I don't know what that means for you. I remember as a child, my parents had this plastic bread on the table. I have a feeling it was rather popular at some point in the 1970s, but in this plastic bread, there were about 200 verses, and each morning, we pull one of those verses out and, and read it from a very early age. The fake bread took me to the real bread of life. Maybe, you know, so much of habit has to do with ease of access. So if you store your Bible in your top dresser drawer underneath a whole bunch of other things, you're not going to read your Bible ever. But if you put it right next to a chair, you're much more likely to do it. The same thing can be said about flossing your teeth. You know, one of the most effective ways to make people floss their teeth is for them to take the dental floss out of the drawer and put it right next to the toothbrush. It's an incredible difference between the number of people who will or want just because of the ease of access. So the starting place is, is make it easy. And it's never been easier. I can walk through my house. I can find 17 Bibles and I don't know how many different translations. I can get on my computer where I have the best Bible software in the world. And I can read in who knows how many different translations. I've, I've run out. I've got that same program on my phone. So I can be in a traffic jam and I can beat the wheel, the steering wheel, in a fruitless effort to make whoever stopped way up there go, or I can say, I'll probably be here six or seven minutes. It's a good time to, to read, to, to get into the Word. Start by making it easy, start by making it a priority, and then get out. Don't just read and study. Go out into the world and do what it is that God is calling you to do. Go beyond your usual space and and enter the world as an ambassador for Christ, like Paul says. Enter the world. Not as someone who is so irritable people will go a quarter of a mile to avoid passing you on the street. Go into the world with a kindness and a generosity that people will never know where it came from until you introduce them to Jesus. Get out. Get beyond your usual space. Enter the world as an ambassador. I know we're disappointed that Things are moving in a direction we didn't intend for them to move in the fall. This is our big start back up with fall activities. And we're still going to start back up as safely as we can with as many things as we can. Our fall activities here at church. I usually wear my contacts when I'm wearing masks because if I don't, I cannot see, then see. Not see, then see. You know how it is. But it's not just us. I've been to physical therapy a number of times recently. And I wear a mask at physical therapy. Is it the most comfortable thing in the world? No. If I had a choice, 50-50, would you like to wear a mask or not while you were doing exercise? No. I don't want to do exercise for one thing, but wearing a mask while doing exercise is taking it to another level altogether. But we're not in Mississippi or New Orleans today. Ida is a category five now. Katrina was a category three. There may be a direct hit or an almost direct hit on our Gulf states today. And when I think about what Methodists and Christians are going through as they are, as they are heading toward safer areas I think to myself there may be a time soon when we get to go out as an ambassador and help in those places where destruction is imminent in the next 12 hours first of all Get into the Word. Second, get out of your comfortable space and and go and be an ambassador of Jesus in the world. And third, spread love. Spread love. Doesn't mean that we don't have our opinions, doesn't mean you like everything that's happening. But if you had to describe the conversations you've had in the last three weeks, I wonder how, what, what the percentage would be of those conversations in which you were spreading love. I wonder if there's so many things on our minds and on our hearts that we have forgotten that as Christians we are called to receive God's agape love and we are called to spread God's agape love, even when we might feel irritable, even when we might be disappointed. I love the way this passage ends. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to care for orphans and widows in their distress, very practical. Very practical ways of loving a world that is broken. And to keep oneself unstained by the world. There are a lot of things in the world that call out to stain us. God calls for a holiness a purity of motives, of thoughts. God calls for us to live in the world but not be of the world. God calls for us to love the world as this place He's given us for His home. I mean, this is the place where we get to know Him. You you can't discount the world because it's here that we learn that He has entered into the world, that He loves it so much But religion that is pure and unpiled is this, to care for those who are careless or who who are uncared for in their distress and to keep oneself unstained. Practical teaching. Know where you're starting from. The word of God to his people. Know what you're called to do. Get beyond your normal space and be an ambassador for Christ. Know who you're called to be. A man, a woman, a teenager, a child who spreads love. Go into the world and do so. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray.